Estás escuchando el podcast con más huevos. Más huevos que los demás. No, it has to be a word. Flittery. Is that what it was? Yeah. Flittery. Is that on that song? No. No, I'm saying wrist looking flittery. Yo, man, chilling with GT, man. It's been a long time. So, so where were you at last night? We were at um, the Houston Rap Battle at the Preston Theater. They were doing a hip hop event. That's in the Woodlands. No, nah, it's in the. Uh, it's actually in downtown. It's um, next to Warehouse Live or somewhere around there, off of Preston Street. And you ended up in the Woodlands. Yeah, yeah. Hey. I went to. The, I had a long <laughs> night. Hey. I don't really party too much, but sometimes when I party, I end up just going places come, come on somebody come <laughs> on. i know somebody in the congregation hearing us right now right but um yeah man I, I was just saying off 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 mic that uh i'm old man i can't i can't even drink <clears throat> shit throws me off like uh we we just finished the year in san antonio we did a bunch of shows out there and i think for the last show it was my boy's hobbies it was hobby's birthday I was like fuck it man we let loose man y'all got some uh goddamn wild turkey some bourbon or some shit and I don't know what they brought me, and I kind of mixed it in with my little diet coat, you know what I mean, like a simp. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I went on stage, did my little thing, and um, usually I have like sometimes I'll have wine or I might smoke like an hour or two before the show or something. But my girl's like, man, I could tell you you just clocked out for the year, like it just looked like you were just out of it, like just ready to go, almost not like I didn't want to be there, not that bad. But I'm like, <laughs> but I'm like man, that little bitty ounce of a drink. We, we used to be in them clubs, though, man. Man, used clubs be. used to be the big thing. I remember, like, I know you remember, like, going to Toke yeah, and going Toke. to the Roxy. We got we got in trouble one time at Toke. We man. got, like, banned. Uh, <laughs> they had all type of clubs back then. But, yeah, man, we used to Coca Loco. I mean, that's a different era. Oh, Two yeah, terms. yeah. I used to get snuck in the club. What's crazy is when I first met DJ Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. He used to make me carry his crates. Oh, that's a dope. That's dope. And I used to carry DJ crates for him into Coco Loco, and that, and I was only like fifteen. Wow. So I would just be the crate, you know, dude, and take the crates inside and just. Be but you were already rapping and stuff. Yeah, I was okay. rapping, but I wasn't really like good at anything. Mm-hmm. I was just like trying to just, you know, figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. So I would just carry crates and and get went into these clubs, and I would just see, like, the impact it had. And that's when mm-hmm. I even seen Kiati on stage, and he shut the club down. Oh, yeah, Kiati, yeah. Yeah, he's on 97.9 now. Um, I, When I was on the radio in San Antonio, college radio, <clears throat> I had some wax. I had a single of Kiati. It, it was called uh, – his name was Lil Baller back then. Was it? It was, like, Lil Baller. <clears throat> and uh, his song was pretty – it was tight. And he used to be like at over there at Dope House and stuff sometimes. Oh, that's dope. Oh, I never knew he was go, uh, hanging like around he, with Like he like the label he was with. It was probably like the big homie who had a little bread. Yeah, and yeah. Went and got the cover done. You know what I'm saying? Man, that's um, tight. They would, for whatever reason, I think they used to. A lot of people used to go over there. The journey and the time <clears throat> to see how people progress and get from you know A to B. Evolution. <laughs> it's crazy. Evolution, Chopaholics days. That you know, it's crazy. You, uh, Lucky, Eddie Deville, and um, I want to say around that era is when I started seeing mixtape circuit for me really get heavily rotated, and it really put me in a, a place where I was like, "Yo, I want to do what these guys mm. are doing and pump these mixtapes." Um, you know what? Um. Speaking of Lucky, um, 
Lucky had an apartment in Second Ward, like when I had just moved back <clears throat> from San Antonio. And uh, I remember in that little apartment, we had the conversation where it was like, man, Slim Thug has like a six bedroom house and he's only like 19, whatever, however old Slim was at the time. Yeah. He probably was like maybe 20, no older than 21. And it was like Slim has a freaking six bedroom house and, and this and that, whatever. And we were just like, okay. Well, obviously, we're not trying to be slim. Can't, there's only one slim thug, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, but at the same time, from a business standpoint, it's like, okay, we had heard about this thing called, like, a store list. And we knew this one dude that had a store list. And, and you know, that was a mom-and-pop independent stores. And then um, I, I was just doing math. I'm like, well, I could DJ. Maybe I could, you know, be the business side of it. Uh, I kind of, like, produce, in a way, like, behind the scenes. <clears throat> and uh, we almost included... That's that one little guy, uh, just because he had a store list. And Lucky's like, nah, nah just <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah, slow yeah. down a little bit. But that was really the name of the game. Like, if you had a store list, like, now it's like a comedy club list. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. So it's a different type of list because my girl, she has a list typed up. And, um, and I looked at it, and it took me back to those days. And I was like, man, I know some comedians. At the end of the day, you still got to have your fan base. Yeah. Right? Somebody could literally, that's what a lot of people learn the hard way, is that somebody could hand you a list but you still had to make your own fans. Because at the end of the day, it don't matter what show they put you on. If people don't come in actively checking for you and looking for you it and is. willing to spend money, you're just going to be sitting there. On the shelf. Yeah. But, man, uh, props to you, bro. Like, I've been seeing your progression, like, from, like, doing your own shows and, you know, cutting out the promoter and, and just getting good looks at these uh like some of the car shows or like working with Slim and, you know, you, you down with Hev in the camp. And Man, I appreciate that. A, a lot of that came from just watching and, and observing and just learning from everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like honestly, from like yourself, Slim, Pauls, and, you know, generations before me. Like what, what was crazy is I told my friend the other day is I remember riding on my school bus jamming Already Platinum. Oh, yeah. Wow. By Slim Damn, Thug. you that young. Okay. Okay, was I, on I was high. on a school bus jamming Already Platinum. Already Platinum. And I was like, and I loved it because. Man, that was when he had his, that was his uh, major deal, wasn't yes. it? Yes, and, and I hated that people didn't understand him trying to grow. Yeah, 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 Cause because of the beats I, and yes, I the love, flow. Man, them songs on there, I could recite some of the lyrics to this day. And I never in my life would have thought years later, um, he just put out a tape called Welcome to Houston, uh -huh, and yeah. it, it's actually the title song to his album. Nice. And I, I went to his house trying to get a verse from him for my album, uh -huh. and when I went over there, I wasn't prepared at all, bro. Yeah. Like, I thought I had it together. I was like, man, I got these beats. I'm ready to get uh -huh. this popping. This was, this was when? This is like a couple months ago, maybe like right before <coughs> the summer, because uh, we barely shot the video maybe like four or five months ago. So the song came out earlier this year, um, and when I went to his crib, I was like, man, I got these tight beats, and I played on the beats, and bro, he didn't bob his head to not one beat. So then he played some of his beats, and then they, they were just like, whew, it was I, it sounded a little next what? level. They were just next level banging. So I had one more producer from Florida. His name is uh, uh, Freeway TJ, and he's always sent me some tight stuff. So uh, I played his beats, and the first beat that Slim heard off of his beats, initially he started bobbing his head, and I knew I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, man, we're gonna make a tight song. Long story short is, we only got two verses down. Uh -huh. <laughs> he did his verse, I did my verse, and yeah. we just did back, back to back. Uh -huh. So the song sat on his computer for a while, and then one day he called me. He was like, yo, 
I'm gonna add a bunch of tight, you know, other lyricists to the uh, uh, to the to the song. Okay. And you know, it's gonna be me, you, D Lo, Pro, uh, Killer, and Dobeezy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, tight, tight, tight. And then when he put it out, I didn't realize that it became the title song mm-hmm. to his album. That's dope, man. Yeah. So it went from you know riding on the school bus, jamming yeah. him to getting that. And I was like, it's such a small, you know, uh, minute um, accomplishment in a big. Yeah, yeah, world. but 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 the dope thing about it is that um. But to me, it was uh-huh. it, yeah, was, it, it was everything. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it showed me just how far we, we from came. the school bus. Man, it was crazy. Full circle. It was dope. Yeah. So that was cool. And that's one one thing about Slim Thug is that um, he doesn't have a lot of ego. You know what I'm saying? He he Man. he he knows how to floss and he knows how to motivate people. You know he's flashy. <clears throat> he got nice shit. You know what I'm saying? But he's not egotistical. Like um. Uh, the few times, like I can remember a few times where, um, like we were out in Puerto Rico for that mix show power summit thing, and um, it was all kind of rappers and DJs and shit. But you know, Chingo, like go out of his way, hey! I'm like, man, who the fuck, Chingo? And I'm like, what the fuck? It's fucking slim and shit, sitting on a bench, still tall and shit, bro. But it's like, oh, okay, he didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Just little stuff where it's like, okay, we're all out here, for sure, in the same city. But uh, I want to shout out, man, Dro and Joe. They got a show coming. I think they're about to prepare for it. And uh, maybe after this, we'll have you spit uh, a 16 on a green screen or whatever you want to okay. do. Or maybe do a drop for them. And, yeah, and for that, sure. that show's going to be popping. That's tight. Hell yeah. So I, I think they're prepping for that just so y'all don't feel like obligated. Also, is there any water in the thing? Because uh, of this uh, cotton mouth. But, um, but yeah, nah, that's what's up, man. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, uh, so everybody check that out, man. It's called Welcome to Houston. Yeah, Welcome to Houston. Um, that came out uh, a little bit earlier this summer. Then I got a um, label deal with Empire. Oh, okay, okay. So um, that was really cool for me. Uh, shout out to Big Hev and Guy yeah. for helping me get that together. And so uh, they're oh, okay. So they're out of the Bay Area. Yeah, they're uh, they're a Bay Area based mm-hmm. uh, company, and they just do distribution. You know, uh-huh. digital and all that stuff. Okay. I mean, I'm sure you know all that. You know what I mean? A little bit. I'm not, man. Honestly, dog, I've been kind of like, you know, not as fully in the mix on the music side. Well, they but just, I, I'm familiar with them. Though. They're like a, uh, I don't want to compare them to like a CD baby or a one stop or like any kind of like thing that we had here. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just distribution basically. And they gave me opportunity to give me a good uh, deal to get a label deal. And I was like, okay, cool. If I have the opportunity to boss up and maybe put other artists on or put mm-hmm. producers in the place, then cool, you know what I'm saying? Um, I don't never want anybody to not surpass what I'm doing or do, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to be where yeah, I'm at course. or bigger, you know what I mean? So I thought, okay, cool, if we have this label opportunity, we could do that. And um, i just so, been able to pump out mixtapes. So they'll distri- they distribute your stuff? Yeah, everything that we put and online. It's the, the La Machina, the machine? It'll, yeah, it'll be uh, the machine. Well, we changed it to La Machina just so... Um, Really, uh, for a couple of things that happened to us in the past, but you know, we changed it to La Machina and then um, we ran with the label. I dropped uh, Brown by Honor, The mm-hmm. Legacy of Richie Valens. Um, the Illest dropped in March, mm-hmm. and that was the first time that I had a hip hop album break the top 40. Oh, nice. So that was cool for me. I, it was a real big accomplishment for me and my team because really it's just me and my homeboy, uh, Money Mike, uh-huh. who's always with me. And then, you know, Hev kind of like, you know, he'll coach a play here and there. Mm-hmm. So um, on the independent side, it was real cool for us. So we were happy about that. Oh, that's dope, man. Almost kind of like the new age, <clears throat> again, not to compare it to like Southwest Wholesale or anything. Um, 
but it's almost like a new age digital version. You want anything from the store, yeah, man? Yeah, that's the same thing. You want anything from the store? Man, a Red Bull. Can somebody go? Yeah, fuck but it. I, hey, I'm hey, caffeine is caffeine. I, I don't have buku caffeine, so catch up to me. Uh, just some water. Yeah. You know what else Thank I was going to tell you, bro, man? Well, growing up, you had one of the dopest marketing game plans of all time. Mm-hmm. And any anybody that I like, I'm not going to lie. When I first came up, I was very competitive. Mm-hmm. But I was young. I didn't yeah, know Yeah, we about. all are, man. And, and That's it, good. And it, and it, but it, nah, 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 nah. Like, it really stunted my growth on a lot of things because I was such a knucklehead and mm-hmm. just wanted to be the best. And not understanding, like, bro, you, you don't have to be the best to be you or to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. You just have to be consistent and do you. Yeah, and that's just, man, honestly, bro, like, that's just all of us from being young. Yeah, And as yeah. we get older, like, Joseph, how old are you, bro? 21. Joe is 21 Savage. What? And, um, he, he's, he, yeah. One, two, he's super, three, four, five. Yeah, <laughs> in my bank account. <laughs> no, he's super young, and I, I'm that, now I'm that old preachy dude that's always like, look here, Joseph. Hey, man, <laughs> I'm going to give you the game, playboy. And, but at the same time, man, people told me, and, you know, like, listen, you need to invest in real estate or you need to figure out, like, like the, the, one of the phases I'm in right now is just trying to figure out, a, you know, ways not only to, like, okay, how am I going to finesse, let's just say, this comedy game or this music game, but how do I funnel that away from it so that you hit in other lanes? And people, you know, people like Slim or, like, Jay Prince. I mean, there's all kinds of people that, that have sustained but but that's part of the shit that i preach and and we learn as we go man like sometimes we um and i still got a long whole bunch of learning i'm still a knucklehead yeah, yeah, i'm still a knucklehead exactly. like honestly bro like a lot of times you know i can't help but speak my mind on certain stuff you know what i'm saying like when i know like when like i see lame shit like especially when it comes to um like big corporations or like big sometimes how they treat the artists you know what i'm saying yeah and, or how they treat the talent. And I see it in the comedy game. A, a lot of comedy clubs or even like headliner c- comedians, they don't really respect the talent. The other guy, you know, the guys that's helping oh, you. coming up. Yeah, or... like like the artists, basically. Because we're all artists. We're all writers. You know Definitely. what I'm saying? And you, that's true. And that's you, true. You know what I'm saying? And, and um, in case anybody listening, y'all haven't sat down and give J- GT Garza a listen. Uh, like the pen, you know what I'm saying? He really takes pride in his pen and his words. And his when you put it in that perspective, that gives a comedian a whole nother life. It's all writing. It, the penmanship yeah. is, I never even thought about that. Especially stand-up. There's different forms. Of That's that. crazy to think about because it's all composition mm-hmm. and then delivery. Writing is the key, bro. Any, any piece yes, of content. Bro. Yeah. Improv, freestyle is a big part of what we do, too. Sometimes you might be mumbling some stuff in the booth, or or you might have a rough mix and go back and be like, nah, man, these last four bars, I need to, it needs more flavor or whatever. But uh, same thing. That's why a lot of these comedians, man, um, I respect these dudes so much because I respect the pen. That's when dope. I see them up there. I never would have put all, that together. Because literally, um, literally what we do with you and I and, and Joseph or anybody that's a creator is we're literally like, it's like alchemy. Like the way Jay Z says, like we're literally whipping up. Like we could whip up a Benz with our hand, you know, with our brain. We could whip up whatever we want. You just whip it up. It just, it's just, it, you have to finesse that pen 
to you have to get that inspiration and it has to you have to have the wisdom and experience to know that's too many words that's too wordy or or this, in, this is the pattern yeah or you yeah, know what yeah, yeah. the punchline ain't about that it's like with the joke sometimes comedians all the time yeah but that ain't the joke man the joke's about this so it's formats and structures and sometimes lyrically you might throw in some irony irony is one of the big forms so it's like layers to it yeah so like irony is one of the biggest forms of um a way to make someone laugh if some shit's ironic uh metaphors and it's different but it's like the cousin of it Yo, All, that's even so like high. plays and movies and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. there's a there's a little structure to everything and now i ruin it i ruin it because we went to see uh, daddy's home too and there'll be a moment that's a fucking funny ass movie dog like what movie is it daddy's home too with okay, will ferrell okay, okay. uh marky mark and the funky bunch uh john lithgow and uh, mel gibson motherfucking mad max and um the kids were funny Chevy chasing us <clears throat> nah is that a uh part two where um john cena is in there john cena's in it he he uh, he ain't funny but yeah, like, like his i'm, little, trying, I'm I, trying to remember yeah. so i can watch it. no it's really good like i'm willing to like we all said like that's a movie we'd probably go see twice and these days it's easy to get let down on a story okay so let me ask you this Ah, this it's gonna okay. Go it's hard to pick a five, but on a comedy because I watch a comedy movie as it's a, just a comedic funny movie. Yeah, it's just games. When you yeah. watching it, you're uh, breaking dude, down. I was like catalyst moment, and, and this is like the stuff that I say or pick up on in movies. Sometimes it's like joke based, but mainly what I look for is like script formatting. So, so top five comedy that you've seen probably most recently right now, uh -huh. what would it be? Movies. Man, honestly, recent stuff? I, I, Got Daddy's Homes too. That that one's gangster. Okay. That That's a fun, that's a fun dude. Will Ferrell. And, and see, like, because I'll be corny and say I like Pineapple Express. Oh, no, that's not corny okay. at all. Okay, okay. That's it, my shit. I didn't want it to sound cliche. Seth Rogen? No, dude. Like, James Franco, Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow. They're okay, hilarious. the dude that plays Red? Yeah. When he said, when oh, the one yeah, is, yeah, yeah, was yeah, bouncing, yeah. Danny McBride, he's bouncing that yoga ball. He's like, just trying to get a motherfucking scholarship. <laughs> I don't know how much he freestyles, but Will Ferrell gives him props, like, fucks with him heavy. And Will Ferrell, you know what I'm saying? That's a beast. But, um, because he freestyles off the top sometimes. I know Will Ferrell set. does. He, he, his, his background isn't stand up, his background is improv. His, he's a freestyle, like, sketch oh, comedy. That's dope. They freestyle. Have you, oh my God. If you ever go, um, if you're ever in a city where they have, this is for anybody listening, uh, improv. When it's done right, that shit is funny. Like Cypher Sounds, he used to be on High 97. Oh, yeah. He, he's the one that put out Nina Sky. Well, he's a comedian. He does full, like, full-fledged, ten-toes-deep comedy. And um, one of the things he does is improv. And But when it's done right, I participated. I'm rusty. I took one class, and I wasn't that great at it. But... Uh, I participated with them in New York at, in their improv thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm rusty, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Pineapple Express is dope. Okay, so give me, like, maybe one or two more. That just, so, because I'm going to go back and watch them. And then. Oh, uh, okay. I love Pineapple Express. Um, recent. Man, I, I'm getting stumped. Like, classic stuff is always going to be, like, um, like, Ferris Bueller is dope. But that's an 80s movie. That's not really, like, comedy. Uh, some Eddie Murphy shit. Oh yeah, anything you know. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he did a couple that were like very family, a little bit too. Towards the end. Yeah. Going to uh, Pluto Nash was not his yeah, best work. Uh -huh. 
yeah, <laughs> was that quote, even the name? Yeah, you could quote you could quote GT on that. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> edit, edit, edit. Yeah. Nah, we don't edit this. Um, nah, that's cool though. Um, but nah, like I never really even put the two and two together to think that deep. Like when you watch a movie, it's totally different from just a fan perspective watching the movie. Yeah, only because like I studied it, I read a couple books, and like really trying to dive in and figure it out. But uh, it'll be like catalyst moment. You know, or oh, clock time, uh, time clocks appear. It'll be like six days till Christmas, and now you know there's pressure and the bad guys or there's there's obstacles. Damn, boy, brought me the Goliath. Man, <laughs> that boy brought you the tall boy. He's trying to kill you, man. Put, 16 hey, put the battery in my back. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's crazy. That's All hilarious. right, uh, maybe like um. Nah, I know not to like you know, but maybe top five comedians. What you got? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you can't of all time. Okay, you, let's let's not do all time. You can't say Louis C.K. no more because uh, that boy done got into him some hot water. Did you hear about that? Nah. Louis C.K. got all these women accused, like saying, you know, allegedly, like this motherfucker jacked off in front of all these women, bro. Like, I I, I read an article on the, on the details of the shit, and the shit reminds you of. You ever seen the movies where like the dude jumps out of bushes with a trench coat? Yeah. Like <laughs> butt naked in front of a trench coat. Like you ever like how it'll be like, um, oh, ladies are jogging and this dude's a flasher. Mm-hmm. It sounds kind of like that's his little movie. thing. That's kind of like his thing. Like how almost many like I think it was at least five chicks that he'll be like they'll be working on set, and in his mind, I think a lot of it has to do with power. A lot of these, like, that's not to where he'll go up to him. In the article, it said that he'll go up to him and be like, "Hey, uh, uh, you mind if we uh, go back to the um to the to the dressing room real quick and, and you can watch me uh, masturbate in front of you?" <laughs> and, that is the and the weird. chick was like, "What? No. What about your wife and you know your pregnant wife and your kids, motherfucker?" He's like, "Ah, uh, uh, never mind." And then yeah, like Harvey Weinstein, all this crazy Bro, shit. People, Kevin Spacey. They, well, I just heard about the Kevin Spacey yeah, thing. Little what boy. is that? He had a little boy. He was trying to, you know, get K-Pax? a little boy. Not K-Pax, yo. What, who, what character is that? that that's the movie he plays in. Uh, he plays this dude. American Beauty? Or? Yeah, he plays a bunch of, wow, Kevin Spacey? Why would you do that? Yeah, I thought he was a, I mean, he's still he dope like actor. a cool actor, but like. Uh, on the actor no, side, that's like some no, R. Kelly shit. That doesn't make you cool anymore. I know, like, it's I like R. Kelly. Like, man, I can't do a feature with R. Kelly no more, bro. Like. The tape didn't circulate. Even, even then, like I heard OJ, he out here wilding, getting belligerent, and got kicked out of somewhere recently. It's like, bro, hey, the ego, the ego and power, is a is an evil, powerful thing. We all have a little bit of ego. Yeah, but and OJ people, need to chill the fuck there's out. There's some demons living in them, and they're <laughs> tripping level. out. It's like, bro, you been to jail, you beat, murder, you. And everybody still think you did it, and you out here tripping. Like, bro, yes, they gonna kick you out the club. You probably gonna kill someone tonight. And they say all the chicks he's dating, they're all like, they look like Nicole Kidman. I mean, uh, not Nicole Kidman, Nicole. His uh, wife? Yeah, Simpson. Man, he's so, bro, people are crazy, yo. That's random. Kevin Spacey. It's like, man, just be low-key, bro. OJ. Can't even be low-key. <laughs> Can't but even you know be what's messed key. up? Enjoy what's your me- freedom. What's messed up is that Du Weinstein doing that to actresses or act, you know, people mm-hmm. taking away the talent of people that put in all that work. Well, I. I'm going to say, I've been said this shit, I'm going to say it again. No, I'm not saying L.A. is phony, but Hollywood, I put it to you like this. They've been fucking people. And I don't just mean 
in the literal Harvey Weinstein sense. Man, heard, like, it's just crooked. The whole thing is crooked. Like, I heard they, Terry Crews got harassed. This grown dude, he swole, bro. You a big yeah. black dude, man. What you letting this white man come or whatever it's, but you know, it's Hollywood. <laughs> I know he ain't as tall as you. You what can't punch chances? him, you know. That's all your movies out there. You ain't in Expendables yeah. 4, 5, or 6. You yeah. out of there. Dang. So it's just crazy. Dude. Hollywood, bro. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm one of them preachers on TV. Like, it's evil. It's in the Bible. This is the evil place. But if you think about what it is, to me, the way I look at it, it's like this fake promise of fame and people going down there being thirsty and for losing track of who they are and not drawing a line between yeah i'm an actor or, or yeah i'm coming out here for some opportunity but i'm not about to be fucking thirsty at these little cocktail parties you know what i'm saying just that's kissing what, ass i think that's what the Chappelle thing was about really probably we i think he didn't want to dress up like a girl or do none of that crazy you know, weird stuff that whatever, yeah, they wanted him good. to do. And he was like, nah, this is my show. I want to do it this way. Y'all want me to do some other stuff. And then he bounced back and hit that check. Yeah, but see, this is this is some preachy shit I want to say, uh, you know, because the weed be talking to me, is is like, for instance, people reevaluating your idea of success. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Meaning, um, if it comes at the expense if success comes at the expense of like you not sleeping, you being burned out, you f hating your job, like being rude to your fans now, uh, just getting into trouble, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever, if it has to come at that expense of you having a kiss ass and just artistically not even feeling free, then to me that ain't even success, man. You just Hell over there no. chasing some shit. I lived, I lived in LA for a year. And what's crazy is like that you said that is, I went through that phase of trying to feel validated by Whoa. my peers or wanting to feel validation or something and it brought me to the lowest point of my life because i found myself man this was like three or four years ago bro like i didn't really understand how i was rapping for a long time mm -hmm. i was doing like freestyle battles from 2002 to 06 and then from like 06 to 2011 i was just dropping mixtapes on like that piff and stuff like i didn't really understand the music business uh, gotcha. so i caught myself sleeping in a futon studio every day for like three years and it was like what am i doing yeah and then like, i had like a just, studio rat basically yeah right? just mm -hmm. like that's it studio rat just stay there ate there sleep there that's it on a futon i had to catch myself and be like bro what are you doing yeah so i had to back up from there and just reevaluate how i saw myself and what i wanted and it really humbled the shit out of me. And, you know, I worked hard, 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 and then I figured out how to get money out of rap. So from there, oh, yeah. I started growing. So now three years later, you know what I'm saying, I finally moved into my first house. Oh, nice, and nice. And I finally got things going. You know, I know how to get the business set up with marketing different. Uh, I barely went on my second tour. Mm -hmm. um, it's Getting not, organized. That's such yeah, a big part of it, dude. Trying to figure it out, you know what I mean? And a lot comes with what you just said. So, yeah, it's having me help. While having good help good Man, team all that because i'm not the most organized person but like my tour be organized yeah like and having people that's around you that really care about you and exactly. your situation and as long as you can give that back to them to, to say i care about your situation as well and the validation thing man that happens to all artists i think i think we've all been there and especially when you have certain um types of uh little goal markers or accolades like but are you on the radio? It's like, yeah, well, like, man, I don't even care about none yeah. of this stuff. Like, bro, like, I'm. That was my problem. 
like trying to chase something that I never was never mine to begin with. And it's never going to be just mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, if I'm not on the radio, I'm not on the radio, whatever. Yeah, it's it's really overrated. They like, don't I think, pay my bills. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. These these fans and supporters and people that been down with me since I had nothing. Mm-hmm. These people are going to come to my shows. These people mm-hmm. are going to support uh, the lifestyle of La Machina and, and take it home with them and be like, we rep this. This is what we represent. We represent something that's for the people. Mm-hmm. For for you know uh, GT guards and what they doing. This is what we believe in. Mm-hmm. And I never knew the power of word was that strong until I started getting into music and into people coming up to me from out of jail. Oh, I saw I saw you on Street Flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man, keep representing for Rasa the right mm-hmm. way, man. We mm-hmm. really appreciate that. And it took me that, and I, I don't want to say made me a conscious rapper, but it made me also want to put out different types of music yeah. and be more aware of what I'm saying to the people. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, these uh, fans, they take that home with them and they might get them through who yeah. knows what. So I always wanted to, you know, represent it the right way, do that, and just make sure that, you know, it could help everybody and get us to where we needed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That validation stuff. Oh. Bro, yeah, that validation shit, man, that'll drive you insane. Trying to get people to like you that you don't have the same energy with, trying to do songs with people that you're just reaching for, mm-hmm. and like, man, that's not. I don't even it's, move it's like that. It's very common. I'm sure a lot of people listening, whether they're in music or they're in something else. Sometimes, you know, if you're an actor, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, or I mean, just really anybody that's in the arts. But I think the internet, like what you said, you know, fans. That's really the key, because a lot of times people think. That um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, oh, like for instance, radio. Their power lies in us all agreeing and believing that that's the shit. You know, that's the stuff we should be listening to. So the minute we all kind of say, hey, we kind of really don't have to be on there. I mean, you could play it if you want, but I appreciate it. That's cool. Like it doesn't really, like you said, you don't really pay my bills. Then all of a sudden, it's like things even out a little bit. Yeah, and you know we and and. People that's listening, if y'all on the radio, DJs know I love y'all. Yeah, trust course. me, we got love and respect for y'all. It's just sometimes they don't even have say. Sometimes just, they're like, "Man, GT, I wish I could play this ten times." Yeah, exactly. And I know they wish they could. You know, a lot of my friends are, are dope DJs in the city. I just know that my lane and where I'm at right now, um, and the music that I make, I'm not expecting you to just drop me in the club or spin me uh, on the radio right now. Yeah, you that's know? not the only way to yeah get hurt. Yeah, you know what I mean. And there's other ways to branch out. And and exactly goes back to what I was telling you about how seeing you market and put your stuff out and the products that you have i think you probably did it like one of the best in texas if not in the nation on independent in the world marketing bro <laughs> no for real <laughs> like you, no thank bullshit you, thank you, thank you. like i remember coming up and seeing like the bobbleheads the boots you know the things you were selling yeah. you know what I'm, and people probably you know you know i, I didn't understand it back then mm-hmm. But I totally get it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything made sense. The hustle, the way you presented it, how you showed up to the car shows, the way the booth was set up, the merchandise you sold, the damn Air Chingo yeah. shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's marketing beyond what another entertainer or rapper is going to even try to do. They're mm-hmm. just thinking about, man, I got to go to the booth and put this song on a two-track and yeah. try to just... Get it on SoundCloud or just get it on YouTube. 
Yeah. Um, they not thinking, how do I market this song to the people and make people go from just hearing the song to buying the shirt to match the song mm-hmm. to making the tour around the song attached to the album. Yeah. And all that comes from shit that you've done. And that's a, bro. And then that's where my, my whole, like, uh, rapper validation thing came in. You know what I'm saying? Where, like, where it's like, man, I know some motherfuckers don't get it, man. Some of, man, they don't think, man, I could really, you know, I could probably really spit if I tried. You know what I'm saying? Like that whole. Man, and fuck then, that. And that threw me off. You know what I'm saying? That fuck threw me that. off for a little while. It's was like, uh, that one wasn't that funny, bro. It's like, well, I was trying too hard on that one. That's what the fuck happened on that one. Nah, bro. Shit you, like that. You really inspire definitely a, a younger generation of i know latin mcs like myself even though we rhyme about two different things mm-hmm. i learned a lot from you bash as well just being in texas and in, in, in the culture like i'm here every day you know i've barely been to la probably my second or third time fourth time like just this year so everything that i've learned hustle wise how, how you like la man how's your experience okay when it comes to my girlfriend she thinks of it like if it's Jimmy Kimball, like like everything is every- glitz and glamour. You know when they push the people to the side and it looks nice. Da, da, uh-huh. da, da, da. And I'm like, no, it it it's a very cool place, but I'm there more so to work than to try to do the tourist thing. Yeah, uh huh, gotcha. Um, cause I went to see the scenery. I went to uh, around and uh, man, what's crazy is Bass took me to Skid Row. Oh, Skid Row. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he showed me the people out there, and mm-hmm. it really affected me kind of like, mm-hmm. damn, man, like the he, world. Houston, Houston got his own Skid Row. It's right yeah. here. But right there's the just 50 blocks. Yeah, that's true. And it really, it really like put me in a whole nother light of, man, the world is 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 got a lot of making up to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I probably can't do too much to help, but being in that really made me go into the studio and put a different emotion towards the pen mm-hmm. and so when i wrote a c i made a cd out there it was i man, i did a east coast boom bap album in the west coast oh nice uh-huh. because i i don't know why i just naturally well, went that scene is big on it, the it, boom it, bap. it, it yeah. actually is yeah so it really soaked me in like shout out to scoop deville and uh-huh. reverie and all them for being out there and i never knew that their hip-hop scene was that big out there mm-hmm. so when i when i got there and i you know uh, started meeting people and con- uh, co- uh, connecting. I was like, "Yo, this is a tight scene. This area is real dope." So you know, LA has its good spots, its bad spots, but overall, if you can find you know a place for you to set up shop and create a lane for yourself, then yeah, it's pretty. T- it's Dude, tight to work out of. I was I was out there um, about eleven months, <clears throat> and. I was hustling, like I was making my moves. Um, sometimes I'd have to shoot up to Fresno for a show or like maybe shoot to Phoenix or, you know, Bakersfield. Like, you know, I was in a different type of location. Oh no, is this just still recording? Yeah, I was in a different um, type of location. But anyway, I was conducting business. Like I had, I was really focusing on my t-shirts and my merch at the time. So like I, at night we'd go print in the day sometimes i had to package and mail stuff like my sister was holding down like i guess the houston office if you will but a lot of stuff i was doing out there and it's territorial out there to where some people don't like that what you mean like some people don't like it's it's closed-minded people that feel threatened older or they got a different type of a street mentality so i i, I was like <clears throat> i'll give you an example um 
when I first went out there, when I first moved out there, when uh, that movie Philly Brown had just came out, it, it went out to theaters and stuff, and I wanted to be closer to the action, right? Like yeah, me yeah, being yeah, naive, yeah, yeah. me being naive, it's like, oh, this is the time, go, you know, let me go I'm, over I'm there. I might get me an agent, a manager, and you know, boom, after this <laughs> stellar performance, <laughs> you know, wait till Will Ferrell see this. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, long story short, um, I, I moved out there, and uh, while I was looking for a place, like I crashed with uh, E-Dub and Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They're at their family's house. So I was there for a few weeks, and then finally, uh, I think Kool-Aid, um, she knew someone that had like an extra room. It was like a bunch of roommates in this one little cool house in the valley, but it was so far. Long story short, six months later, boom, I found a spot in East L.A. because that's where the studios were, and that's where I was at. It's close to downtown. It felt more lively. Mm-hmm. Back far in the valley, like I moved out by myself. The shit was getting kind of like... Yeah, isolated. Like, yeah, like almost borderline <laughs> depressing. Like, man, well, I'm way the fuck out here. So I'd shoot... i do that long drive every day. So anyway, I'm in Nislos, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting... Like, I got this random phone call where it's like... Hey man, so you just you know, uh, you know I'm just I'm just relaying the message. I don't even want to say which artist it was, but it's like I'm just relaying the message, man. But I, I got a letter. I ain't gonna say from who, but it came from the inside. And some people don't. Basically, like a lot of people out there, I guess, have to like kiss the ring and and pay taxes, like on some street stuff. You know what I'm to saying? To do entertainment to or music that, out there. I, I, yeah, but I'm not even that type of artist, man. Like yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm solo. Like I'm not. I don't claim no blood. You, but but was it because you were staying in East Los or you were staying no, in the valley? No, or just because you were there? Well, here's a funny thing. Here's a funny thing. I think it's mainly because, like, you here, you conducting business, and you ain't came by my studio yet, and people get in their feelings. True. But, but check it out. But You know, because you out there running around. You out there. I'm, I'm spending money with local businesses. Like, I'm. Uh, you got an embroidery shop? I need all these hats embroidered with yeah. Fede on top. That's when I, I made it up out there. Um so boom, I'm I'm out there. Oh hey, you make T-shirts? All right, how much you charge me for X amount? Boom, 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 boom. And then I'm running to the post office and I'm hitting studios. I'm networking with people. Anybody that's on the same shit that I'm about, then cool, we could kick it, man. Ain't no ego here. Like hey, let's all just whatever. But some people were almost like, hey man, you gotta be careful, man, because out here you can't just you know da 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 da. And I know you out there in the valley, and I I don't want them to. You know, maybe pay some little crackheads or some meth heads to come rough you up. Da 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 da. You know, I wouldn't want to do. And I'm thinking to myself, I was driving at the time, and I was on the phone. I'm like, he's like, you know, you need to get you with some real cats out there. You know, East Los or something. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I am in East Los. Uh, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's a cool. Um, I think we're peaking a little bit. It's a cool little. Um, you know, it's it's the community. It's the, it's the barrio. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, feels yeah. like it feels like home. All right, this motherfucker says low battery, but I think we're good. Because I wanted to get you on here for at least for an hour. Um, worst case, we're going we gonna to press record again. Um, where was I on this long-ass story? East, yeah, so okay, so in, in my East mind, Lose. in my mind, I'm like, bro, bro I, I'm in East Los. Like, I, I'm in East Los every day. I don't see you in East Los, but I, I'm here, and it ain't it ain't how the movies make a scene. Like, I'm cool with everybody. and But, yeah, that that was just a very small experience of la but hey if you want to talk about traffic houston traffic is a motherfucker yeah all that is holy shit our traffic like bro LA. 
that's a crazy story, you know what I'm saying? But I'm I'm glad that you told me that, you know what I'm saying? Because I go out there sometimes, and and you're right. It's all about how you maneuver. And it probably was just one person that was like, you didn't see that day or that week or that month. Kiss the ring. Yeah, that type of stuff. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? And that's everywhere. You know, it happens to some people in every places, you know what I mean? Um, but other than that, um, w- uh, we dropped a tape called Sometime in L.A. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and I actually did it with E-Dub yeah. and Focus for the Locos. Uh-huh. So shout out to uh, Drummer, a uh, young drummer. He's on there. Shout out to uh, Javi and them. They jumped on the beat. Uh, Javi Lopez. Man, that boy gave me a bunch of boom bap heaters. Yeah, because yeah, he, he's back from that, Um, I forget, what was it called? A, not the 909. It's this old keyboard that came out that Kanye and them, everybody started sampling on. Yeah. I think that's like his style. Man, that's crazy. Um, But yeah, and even e Dub and them, they collect like a bunch of old like, you know, boards and sound equipment and shit like that. So... You know, it, the vibe was there, and I wanted to just, you know, plant a seed over there and just uh-huh. make some music and just see, you know, go outside of Texas a little bit and just see what I could do. Yeah. So I made the tape, and we dropped it on my birthday. So it's out right now. They can nice. go get it. iTunes, Google Play. Sometime in L.A. Sometime in L.A. It's just, you know, a moment in time. Yeah, these days, man, it's crazy because, like, when I get my statements for, like, streaming or whatever, and I look at all the different platforms – like some of these, like I don't get on Spotify. I know it's huge. There's a couple other on there. Like obviously Android, I don't have. <clears throat> but I look at my statements, and the game has changed from like, from when you and I were coming up, like you know mixtapes and mom and pop shops, and to streams. Yeah. Sometimes I'm looking at the at the music game because I still, like I still got a couple. It's on the back burner, but I still got a little something brewing, and um, I look at it like, it's like. You're creating content. It's almost like content. It's almost like a YouTube channel in a way. You're creating content. Like what type of content? Sometime in LA, that's part of your content. That's you know maybe an hour's worth of material or whatever content that you put up, and then people are gonna stream it, stream it, stream it, stream it, stream it for years to come, and then all other things are gonna come along, like iTunes when they they just put out that whole subscribe where you just pay. I, yeah, I'm on it. Like I it. pay to whatever it is a ten dollars. Like Netflix. Yeah. Everything, like, it's good to pay attention, like, what the fuck is Amazon doing? What is Facebook up to? Because YouTube fuck around and change one little algorithm, and there goes some of your money, if that's where, you know. And I think that's what they, like, uh, I don't know if it was, uh, who was it, Leo Cohen, mm-hmm. that started taking over YouTube. What is he doing with YouTube? I think he became the president, or he's running that mug now oh, or something. Oh, wow. Because he's so, a music guy. I, I met him years yeah, ago. Yeah, so I already know that, you know, going with the labels and all that, there's going to be deals being made with the labels because all their artists have to put out videos through YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that means they're changing the number of streams, if you're going to get less amount of money. Who knows? Yeah. But there's always that going on behind the scenes. But still to this day, like me and you, I know for the next maybe two or three years, I can still sell hard copy CDs. Mm-hmm. And I can still sell my merchandise and go on tour and do road things and still make money in other forms that maybe another artist or somebody who didn't have a Texas or independent hustle like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole different. Yeah, because you know, I went from selling $10 mixtapes to just, you know, I put them in eco wallets now, you know, and I get them through like disc makers or something uh-huh. like that. Uh, the last one I put out with a DVD, and I sold it for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just a $20 lick every time. So it's like, you know, trying to just find different ways to 
let the fan have it digitally, but also the fans that want the hard copy at their house to be like, yo, put this in my room. Yeah. You know, capitalizing off them. What we did is, um, and I think I'm going to phase away from this, but what we did for the past, like, two years in the comedy game is when we had, like, a VIP package. Everybody that was in the VIP, that got a VIP ticket, not only do they sit in the front, they um they get they get a CD, which is like a gift or whatever, and then we do the photo meet and greet. So everybody else in general mission is like, hey man, you know they might, cause we clear the room. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, people gonna be like, motherfucker, I bought your last three CDs, bitch. Or, I, <laughs> I remember when you first came to Laredo, ho. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, you, bitch, you too good for a picture? Yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> disrespectful now. So of course that's how we do it. It's like, well, let's thank you for coming. You know, general mission. We have a. You know, merch and stuff in the front. If you have a VIP wristband, please stay seated. But it's different way. Like I like what MC Magic. He's finding different like packages. Do and you deals. do that before or after the show? We do meet and greet after. Uh-huh. That's how we do it. But there's a lot of different ways that work for different people. Me personally, I don't like to be. Um, what's the word? You like, don't want to meet them before the show. Only because it, it kind of takes that little magic away. The surprise and the yeah, element the surprise of, of meeting oh, you. Oh, for the first time you, you come out stay. to that song and you put your hands up or whatever. Yeah. It's a little, that, that it has a little bit more bite. Because I think the mystique still of an artist of not having or knowing everything about them. Like I don't put none of my personal business yeah, yeah, yeah. online mm-hmm. because that's just different from my rap life. Yeah. It is my rap life per se when I write on the pen. Yeah. But I don't want to show you the struggles I'm going through with my mama or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um thing when it comes to stuff like that, I can understand like you wanna, you know, keep that surprise feeling. So when a fan see you for the first time, he feels everything that, you know, you yeah. didn't been through and they connect with you and he sees you be like, yo I mean Mystique, that that's almost like um you know how they say um this is gonna be a weird metaphor but like when you let's say there's a, a two different females one of them she's just kind of showing everything like you said and then the other one has a little bit of sex appeal where it's like okay hmm man i wonder what she's thinking like there's there's layers this is a more complex type yeah. of individual you know what i mean and and it's almost like mystique is almost like that it's a it's a parallel to that to where it's like you have two artists the energy that comes into the room you know what i'm saying um but that that's that's dope that you say that, man, because I think a lot of up-and-coming people, um, I mean, mainly, I, I'm just myself, mainly. I just act a fucking fool. But um, but I know a lot of young artists, man, that's like 90% of it. And even comedians, like, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, man, we be telling comedians stuff, like, um, like yo, we kind of see you, oh, we, oh, man, like, me and my girl, we might be like, man, we like when you, like, that's you, man. Like, when you come out to that song and, and you wearing, like, that, and you got your hair like that, like that little Richie Valens thing, and the song comes on, like, that's you, bro. Like, that, don't ever lose that. It, it was likable. You know, you had the crowd or whatever. Give people advice. And sometimes some artists feel like, well, nah, dog, all I really got to worry about is being funny. If I'm just funny, everything else will fall in place. Which is, yeah, yes and no. Because I've seen a lot of less funny motherfuckers that are less funny than you. They getting it. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. I and I say that to myself. I'm not, you know, pointing anybody out. But even like comedian, I mean, uh, rappers, where it's like, no, nah, we get it, bro. Like you, you fucking rap circles around ninety percent of the fucking population, you know. But it's like it's it's all the other little stuff that you matters, know what I'm saying? bro. And, yeah, bro. And and that is another thing that took me a while to learn. 
And it's like, cause I didn't, I, I've always wanted to be the best MC. Mm-hmm. And when I, when, when it came to a point where rap was changing, where it's like, you no longer have to be the best MC. Yeah. You just have to figure out what works for you. And see what dance goes with your song. And, yeah, and yeah, you get that a vinyl. You I'm know what colors your hair. Uh, or, you yeah, know, yeah. You, know. you got the little pink, purple, little braids <laughs> and shit. You out of there. If your and, shit ain't red, pink, or purple. And that really. That really kind of hurt, uh, you know, my pride or my ego a bit because I, I know how much I worked on my penmanship. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it really... Like, fuck, my hair ain't purple. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But after a while, I stopped caring because I knew, I was like, you know what? Whatever music I put out, they're going to either like it or not like it. And if they don't like it, I'm just going to stop. I'm not going to do it. But if they like it, then I'm going to continue and keep doing it. And luckily... You know, it's been it's been growing more and more every year, and it's starting to pick up. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm luckily fortunate to not have to just. I, I should be more like you know online or Instagram, doing more videos and being more social. You know, a lot of my friends say I'm not too sociable because I don't have a lot of features with certain artists. But that goes back to energy. It's like mm-hmm. if I go in the studio, if I meet you, and we just don't connect on a personal level yeah. why you know why would i just do some music with you you know yeah. what i mean i would just be faking it mm-hmm. so to me it's like as long as i could do me and i don't have to you know do anything crazy i'm cool with it because that's worked for me but if it, it works for you to do gold hair and and everything yeah. else do that you know that's fine i just knew at that time i didn't get it and it, and it blew my mind i was like how am i gonna go back and figure this out yeah. And then I just had to just put two and two together and give it to him. Yeah, a lot of it is um like patience, <clears throat> consistency, because I feel like nine times out of ten, artists go through. Um, you ever seen that meme where it's like a dude, like he's like digging for uh, like a diamond or some shit, and then he turns around, but then the other guy just kind of keeps going? Like it's a stupid little meme, but I feel like that shit applies. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen it? No. Nah, it, it, the, the whole purpose of the meme is kind of like, you know, if you quit now, you might have been. Some motherfuckers do need to quit <laughs> on the cool. That's true. But like, you know what I'm saying? But like, it's almost like the meme. It shows a dude like with his pickaxe digging a tunnel and oh, looking for a diamond. And then the dude just kind of like says "fuck it" and turns around. The other guy just digs five inches more, and boom, there's a fucking diamond. I feel like um, a lot of artists, and me, even me included, like I feel like a lot of times I'm finally getting what I'm worth, only because the marketplace had to catch up in other words it's like chingo you you know sometimes you could doubt yourself along the way because you're thinking like man what the fuck am i doing wrong why is this shit not panning out or why is this not falling into place how i wanted to at the time i wanted but i feel like artists sometimes go through that digging digging where it's like you are getting shorted and you're really not getting what you're worth and some people do have a little bit of you know oh if you ain't doing the payola game with this guy you ain't gonna get on the radio and he's gonna block you. You know what I'm saying? Like little things like that. It's like, well, what the fuck, man? Why is shit not falling into place? And it's just a matter of, hey, these promoters, they're about to be extinct in, you know, six months, Chingo. Like this is a crystal ball, you know, talking to me. Um, hang in there because pretty soon you're about to be able to sell tickets direct without them and you can market the show and how you're presented in the city. Like, it's up to you. It's going to be up to you now, down to the flyer, to what people see and how the show happens. Instead of all these little openers who paid and then they got Taqueria, such and such was a sponsor. And they want to <laughs> they want to sit in the front, but they really don't even like 
you're, you're a show, but yeah. they're there taking a space or these promoters who didn't know that you needed a spotlight. You know what I'm saying? Or the sound guy miscommunicate. All these stupid things to where I found myself in situations where it's like, man, I'm out here in motherfucking Omaha or some shit doing this fucking show, and this is not what I signed up for, basically. It's like yeah. let down after fucking let down. Where it's like, what you mean you ain't got the rest of the money? Or... Or, damn, I know I should have charged more. What the fuck? Look at all these. Wait a minute. VIP? You didn't tell me. Well, how much did you sell those for? Wait, who are them? Oh, those are sponsors. Well, goddamn. I didn't even know I had a meet and greet. There's just. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just taking it. My point is, like, sometimes the world hasn't caught up yet, technology-wise. To where it's like, hey, don't worry, bro. It's this thing called Snapchat and all this other shit's coming. You know what I'm saying? All these other things are coming. You're going to get the word out about your shows. People are going to want to buy shit, you know, with your link. Or There's different tools to where, like, we just did uh, we just did San Antonio. We did seven shows, and they took me to go do, um, shout out to Univision, Homie Marco and Dana and them. They took me up there to do press, and the lady who took me up there um, from the comedy club, she was like, um, yeah, this is the, she, she said, this is the first time. We haven't had to spend any money with no radio stations to sell some tickets to a show. So I'm like, oh, okay, so y'all saved money. Damn, I didn't get a bonus for that. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, but the radio station still wants to see you. They still want to get you on on some things. And I'm like, okay, well, we done sold all these tickets already. You know what I'm saying? Only because this is my backyard. It's at San Antonio. That's like second home. A lot of work put in throughout the years. Flea market and shit. And when I was doing flea market meet and greets. Bro. Flea market meet and greets. I don't Come, think they understand that, bro. Dude. That's a whole nother house. I don't even think my girl understands that. Because, like, we're headed. We're driving on I-10. Headed to seven sold-out shows in San Antonio. And, and, and um... I point, I was like, oh, that's the flea market where I, that's where I used to do, basically, they were meet and greets. She's like, no, you did not call you being at the flea market or meet and greet. I was like, no, 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 we didn't call it that, but. It was there. But, but that was one of the main places where all of our fans would go, like the hood, and don't, wasn't nobody else giving you this opportunity. Like, you know, you didn't have a lot of outlets. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't just call all the time and just go and get on the radio. Like, yeah. when you had a show, you had to walk around the fucking mall so that people in McAllen, Texas know because the promoter didn't do his job. So you got to walk around the mall, waste your fucking time. Not that taking pictures with fans is a waste of time, but it's like the shit was so backwards, but we had to hang in there. And now you just fucking press a button and everybody now everybody's a promoter. Everybody's a social fucking media, whatever. Everybody's a content creator. Uh, but yeah, even my girl was like, Bro, "No, that's you were crazy. like you was in that dusty flea market." I said, "Yes," and 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 I tell um, I, I we went to uh, we were in Dallas, and we went to Traders Village, and it was me and a couple comedians, um, my girl, different people, like the crew. We're walking around, getting some fruit. We're looking for some uh, something for my daughter, costume or some shit. And walking around, and a few people like, "Hey man, what's up, man? You let me get a picture. What you doing here? What you on town for? Whatever, meeting people." And um, and I told the comedians, I was like, hey, sometimes artists get ahead of themselves and they start being like, well, why am I not on the radio? Why am I not doing this? Why is this venue not calling me back? Or whatever it is, it's like, walk around the flea market and we finna find out your temperature, basically. Like, walk around the flea market and just see if your people fuck with you. And then you're gonna know, you know, 
yes or no and as to why the yes, cds yes, are sitting yeah, on the yeah, sh- exactly. uh, they're still sitting on the show that's a crazy man bro that had to be a minute ago how many years was that bro years ago and that bro. go back to that whole many years ago. that has to go back to that mixtape hustle like that y'all had bro y'all was pumping tapes <laughs> Man, bro. Pumping tapes. I'll te- man, I'll be telling stories about those days. It was it was fun. Eddie DeVille, Stunner. Bro, that was motivation, bro. Stunner, like uh, I was at the crib watching, bro. I'm telling you, like, that's what made a lot of motherfuckers get off their ass and be like, you know what? We gotta kill this mixtape game. Cause we dude, we saw Swisher House, Slim, uh Color Changing Click, um, even like Third, you know, third degree in San yeah, Antonio, all them. or, or uh, Dirty Third. What was it? With like Charlie Boy and them. Yeah, Dirty Third, from, like Huntsville them. area, Dallas. You'd go to Dallas. You see Tuck and DSR. Tuck and all them. It was um, crazy. I'm in a movie with Big Tuck. Oh <laughs> shit! We shot like a little movie or something. They got me robbing somebody or something. I don't know. Man. I funny. robbed Big Tuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In a movie. Yeah, but so, uh, but you know that time and and era of the mixtape game, bro. That was trap. It was a trap. Super it was trap house. Super trap house. Burners. CD I still burners. got stack burners. My, I got three stack burners in my crib right now. Anytime I go on tour or on a show, I'm pumping out tapes. I'm buying the covers, putting the pieces together, mm-hmm. and we hitting the road. Jewel case, man. We, yeah. We'd go to the jewel case place, like yeah. over there man. on the southwest. Even like a couple months, like maybe like two, maybe maybe a year or two, two years ago, I was looking for a jewel case place. Like there was no place in Houston that was Everything's really, changing. They sold. Or like, for instance, uh, I don't know, did you ever mess with LPP, the print shop? Nah. LP printing? It was like on the southwest. It was like some Asian cats. <clears throat> they had a big warehouse. But that's where all the club flyers were coming from, like big posters. Um, but anyway, back back in our day, man, when we were coming up, it was um, everybody had some fucking flyers, everybody had some posters, and then that's where we made our CD inserts, and we were just constantly, it was grassroots. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. all grassroots. And then all the towns and cities that y'all would hit up, man, them, they were flooding, bro. Then your website, your website was pumping like a like mug a little back then. message board. And you stuff. had a forum. Yeah, forum. Remember the forum? I'm telling you, yeah, dude. Like literally, um, forum was like the first social yeah. media um, chat interaction topic. chat room. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you would leave posts, people would argue and beef on there, and you'd be like, "Yo, this is crazy." And then the, the and then there'd be even boppers on there where Bro. Like, like Stunner, Eddie Deville, like different cats. Like it might be the web guy or different people be like. They'd be huddled around the computer screen like, oh, this bitch always posting some slick shit. Or like, oh, look <laughs> at her, putting her, uh, attaching her picture with that fucking AOL connection. How long did that take? But, um, wow. But that, like, yeah. The, the I AOL dial-up sound? Yeah, we had, a, we had a house. I rented a house for my sister uh, over there in my old neighborhood in Grando. And uh, it was a little trap house. So <clears throat> she had fixed it up. I think it had wood floors. And we went and got the Ikea um, fucking little spot lighting and shit and funky colorful walls and then we had one room so every bed we did that for years we'd have a house or two or a bigger house whatever and every bedroom even like now look at this this is a podcast room over there they edit this is a green trap. screen it's always trap it's all you know, creativity yeah but yeah we took notes and and you're right man we had we got into a little rhythm to where the way a YouTuber might say, hey, man, we got to upload something on Friday, or we got to upload, we promised the fans we're uploading on Wednesday, it would be like a mixtape. So it's like, Eddie, can you hurry up and get it mixed, dude? Like, he'd mix the audio, and then he'd mix them together. Uh, when the artwork, is the artwork done? Okay, well, hurry. My sister's calling stores. Like, 
dude, when when motherfuckers started taking pre-orders type of shit, like oh, certain man. certain artists, sometimes I couldn't get on like the pre-order list. Like they they had already spent their money. Like man, Rayface just came, Boss Hog dropping three. Man, I can't man just consign them. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, fuck it, man. We're in San Marcos or whatever. All right, I know this shit's gonna sell. I'm gonna push it. All right, cool. Sometimes man, Rayface just left <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> It's crazy, dog. That is dope, man. Dang, that's loud. Memory lane. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Damn. And then, and then the Chopaholics, man. Like, I got put into a, a tough spot. That's what I was. I got, ask. I got put Not in a tough them. spot. Um, so I worked heavy. I worked heavy with uh, Eddie Deville. He was like our in-house DJ, like our DJ drama. We we're trying to groom him, you know, into like a DJ drama type of person. So he was that. It was almost like if we was all WWE, like he was that character yeah, in a yeah, way. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But anyway, in the trap. And um, so something happened where SPM was doing, I guess Shadow, Grimm's brother, had um, SPM doing some drops from jail for, I guess, Chopaholics. But Eddie worked at the station. And something happened with those fucking drops with, like, DJ Kool-Aid, DJ Overdose, and Eddie, where... Like Eddie got the drops first, or he put out a tape first with the drops, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Dose and Kool Aid were like, "Like motherfucker, you stepping on toes? Like what the fuck is you doing?" And then Kool Aid said some shit, and I guess everybody was probably saying some shit. And then um, Eddie was like, "Hey dude, I gotta I gotta put out this tape," and it was like a diss tape, and I was like, "Ah oh, man, I can't put that out. A like diss tape. I'm cool with it. It was like some like." I had some artwork with like the Kool Aid Man or something. I I'm think pretty I sure. do remember yeah. that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it over was like there. A, it was like a Kool Aid Man on the front. Something. That was so. But old. I got. I know. I got. Wow. I got put in the spot. This would be that stupid shit on the radar. I got put. On, <laughs> I got put on the spot where uh, where Eddie was like, dude, I already got all these inserts made. I don't know if he did this shit on purpose, but he's like, man, I already got everything ready to go. And if you're not gonna put it on your website store, I'm kind of not gonna have an outlet for it. And I was just like. <sighs> Uh, well, you know what? Technically, I'm kind of just a distributor in this. <laughs> you, know? you know, well, so I, you know, you know, I got, I made that choice, and um, and you know, of course, it, it makes me look disloyal because overdose and Kool Aid had a a lot to do with me even getting hurt. In I never city. even knew that. I knew he put the disc tape out, but I never knew what that. it was even about. Yeah, but I never knew that. I didn't even like. I don't remember if I even jammed it, but I never knew that. Uh, only outlet for that tape was really yours and it, that is true because you had the biggest platform the website thing. yeah but i mean on a business standpoint you it's was just, just a distributor <laughs> it's you know you just putting out music again but man. on the loyalty side i can see where they were upset but you know and things I was, happen and i was loyal to eddie you yeah know, things happen told. you know what i'm saying but you know, times you know i've seen overdose i haven't seen kool-aid Probably just maybe once since man, then. Man, they cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I, seen overdose. I haven't seen them in, a, in like over probably five yeah, or seven not, years. Yeah, they got other stuff going on. I don't think. I was going to ask you. It's a two-part question, though. Okay. What, I guess, maybe in the year or two before leading up to Can't Deport Us All, did you do to get it to be that big when it dropped? <clears throat> like hyping it up? Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, some of it was mystique. Um, I think we had momentum. We had momentum off the mixtape game. It was all grassroots. Yeah, just from like just everything. Just, Car shows, just like everything my like together. my image and like my shit was different. Um, some of it was catchy because you'd had a couple parodies. Like you're just like, okay, he's borderline playing around, but is, is he clowning? Like, is this, what the fuck's going on here? 
And um, we had a we had a lot of buzz. Okay, the MTV shit. I'm sure that helped. Your DVDs uh, was big too. The Mañosas. Yeah, that was a big series. <laughs> the DVDs was it big? I know you saw the gang of them DVDs. Yeah, we yeah we did. <laughs> we did. So now, all that leads to that adult. point. No. Um, it's just, I think it was just teamwork. I think everybody was playing their position, and um, we just had like we it was all grassroots. We were confident in the fact that we were self pretty much self-made in a way like nobody kind of just put us on yeah, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. so we were confident in terms of like you're gonna have to give us what we're worth we we know how much work went into this and you oh, know not just saying that i got a couple questions how okay who did the artwork oh they on they can't deport us all it was a shemp from the bay area he does e40 oh a tough. lot of like Mr. Fab and Kiss. That artwork is classic artwork. I think people, if you're in Texas, you're going to remember that forever. That well, picture is legendary. Okay. Uh -huh. um, how long did you mar you know, market that CD before it dropped? Like, I think I marketed it too long because I kept missing my release date. I, I know I missed it at least once. Um, Three to six months? Longer one than time that? I think it was a six. Like, because when you're dealing with... um. It's different than having like, hey, I need to tell my sister she needs to start calling these stores and giving them a heads up. That's one thing. It's a whole nother thing to be like, our rep at Asylum has to wait till the conference call so that he can get the Warner Brothers distributor who has the regional guy. It's almost like you're dealing with your, like a big beer company that has distributor. It's just on a whole nother level. So there's so many more like just red tape and fucking hoops and shit. And uh, shit gets a little too complicated. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. Um, in my neighborhood, right there on, uh, on the southeast, they had just opened up this big Best Buy. And the manager was cool. He was, like, young. They, everybody at that store was, like, excited to be, like, the new, we never had no shit like that in that area. Um, and, and they were like, oh, yeah, his, he's from here. We'd love to have his CD release here. And we, yeah, we're going to carry it. It's already in the system. Well, through all the record label red tape it turned into actually you have an in-store at um ritmo latino or some shit like that off a of waste like you're in the barrio barrio and it's like they ma mainly just sell mexican music it's one of those like we don't know where to where to put you yeah yeah yeah. or somebody i don't know who made the call and then and then i knew something was fishy because shit was selling out and then they weren't allowed to reorder you weren't even uh, it, it's like own. we sold out over the weekend i was like or like say uh, a friend or myself or a relative is like Hey, I see you're all out of Chingo. Are you guys going to reorder? Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, we've been trying it. The system, like the late, the distributor won't won't let us. So it's like, huh, why would you have something that's selling well and, and you not really care? So then I knew you. there was different. Like, And who did you end up putting the album out through? That was Asylum, okay. which had Mike Jones, Lil Boosie, and, which turned into like 300, I think. Damn, it's Todd Moskowitz. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lyric yeah. Cohen was involved. Okay, you don't have to tell me on the record. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How many units did it sell? Honestly, man, I forgot. I forgot. But it it could have did more. I used to know the number. Uh, it it could have did more if it, if it weren't like okay. Yeah. But on an independent scale, bro, that was a big ass number, bro. Yeah, if we had, I don't know how like Red Shop used to do their shit. Mm -hmm. But I put it to you like this. I know that was on the spot question, my bad. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good question because, like, what I've been thinking about in my mind lately is just a lot of like business type of stuff. <clears throat> so, 
So, for instance, I don't know how Rec Shop used to put their stuff out, but, like, they – here's what happens. Like, so if you sell 100000 like, back in, let's just say, your Rec Shop records or, or something like that, if you sell 100000 you probably made 700000 mm-hmm. right? Well, sometimes it gets tricky with these big record labels where it's like – um, oh look at all these! Oh look, we had expenses. Oh, oh wait, what is this? You know what I'm saying? It's studio like time. A little bit of cr- no. I mean, I mean, okay, I was so covering. Like I even paid for a. Did video. you mix them? You mixed and mastered the album before you turned it in on your own? Um, I th- oh, man, who fucking mastered it? I think it might have been one of their mastering people. Like there's certain things that so they might have like liked they it. threw that in there. I don't even think it was even that, man. It was just kind of like probably just a bunch of other shit that I, we didn't fully understand and by then shit. we had already just tried to move on mm-hmm. but um all in all it was like a marriage that kind of didn't really work it, it was like it ended in a divorce i got the uh <laughs> like a divorce and shit i got the masters so i still own the master of it. and the cd did property. incredible it did incredible bro it sold a lot and then yeah. it, not only that it lasted for a long time like people still look at that cd cover to this day nice nice Damn, that's crazy, bro. Yeah, but music business, dude. Like, I be wanting to. Hopefully, people that listen to this podcast, um, hopefully they'll. It, it might explain some shit or clarify and once you, some shit. Once you got out of that, uh, that was the one off. You did one off with them, and then you 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 did yeah, straight we independent. Like, we need, yeah, we need a part. And then after that, you just dropped a gang of mixtapes. Yeah, I basically had to kind of regroup, and like, it's almost. I don't want to blame them. But sometimes what happens is when you have momentum and you have a system, like say you're a little restaurant and you just have a way of man, like a formula. Little, yeah, a formula. Like the line moves, people get their fucking burrito, the sauce, people know where the sauces yeah. are. You know what I mean? We're known for after the club, this is the spot, and, and everybody knows Doña Teresa on the back. Well, once you partnered up with McDonald's, they fired Doña Teresa. Teresa. They want to change your hot sauce man, thing. I just saw that movie, The Founder, too. You seen it? Yeah, I like that movie. That's exactly what you're I really about. like that movie. And yeah, then even yeah. even companies like Chipotle, Chipotle was partnered with McDonald's for a while. Was it? Mm-hmm. So they're not no more. No, no, no. I think it was a it was a temporary thing. Still going. Uh-huh. Hey, why the headphone? Oh, you you want to pause it, real quick? Nah, Let's nah, pause it. Bueno, bueno. All right. Part two. Back. Yeah, part two. <laughs> so, what could the fans expect tonight who've never been to a GT Garza concert? <laughs> right? Oh, man. Uh, shows, lights, uh, lasers. Yeah, you know, well, you know, first off, police. Yeah. <laughs> we, we out here, man. Houston, Texas, man. Right. Uh, how, did, how, how did Harvey affect you, man? Oh, man, it was crazy, actually. Um, I never, I've been through some hurricanes, but I've never really had to go save anybody. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. And that was surreal. That was what, really. What happened? It, uh, my girl's mom got stuck off of Brazewood. Mm. And Brazewood floods really bad. So we were just at the house trying to, you know, make sure we had everything together. And her mom called and was just like, you know, the parking lot's filling up. You know, it went to hit the second floor. I'm going to be stuck. And I was like, look, we got one shot at this. Well, how, what'd you do? I had to go through the back streets from like, I was off of, I was by the Joel Osteen church. Mm-hmm. I won't get into that. Yeah, we're that. not going, we're not going. I'm not going to get into that. But I was by the Joel Osteen and I made it to, I went through the back uh, Bel Air and towards Bel Air and 610 under the freeway was flooded. 
So I had to take a, a like a side street, took that all the way down till I hit somewhere near Brazewood. And her apartment complex was literally sitting like on a cheese wedge. Mm-hmm. So the top section was like, you know how they build it up and it's like uh, the apartment complex is sitting on top of like a hill. Yeah. So it's like got long pillars and then they shorten up towards the top. Mm-hmm. So she was at the top and the water was already coming up. Oh. So by the time I had got to the first floor, the water was already at my knees. So I had to go through this old doo-doo ass water and oh, shit. I man. was like, and then I was thinking about this stuff on the news. You were just like, don't, <laughs> don't walk through the water. They got parasites and all that. I was Fleshy like, man, bacteria. something to eat my legs up. Using that bitch gagging. <laughs> Bro, it's crazy. So, uh, you know, we ended up, I went to the second floor. She was talking to another lady. We got all our stuff out. But it felt like a movie, bro. I was like. You, uh, you was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Bro, you know what's crazy? I always laugh with my homeboys because I'm like, bro, in that movie San Andreas, he did Mission Impossible yeah. for real. There's no way you would have made it yeah. out there. But anyway. So like I go into this like second floor, it's all pitch black. And I'm like, hello, anyone oh, there? I, was, I wow. felt like I was in a movie though. Yeah. I was like, damn, this is crazy. And so she was in the parking lot, grabbed her stuff, put her in a car, and she came to stay with us for like two or three days. And that was my uh, Man, adventure. I, I, <laughs> I gotta get um that boy T in Man, here. Man, bro. In here as well. And uh, I know he had to literally like save some people. He, man, shout out to T, man, for being a strong king, man, strong young gentleman, man. He definitely, um, he went through a lot, and he, he's going to bounce back and overcome, and me and him are chopping it up a lot. And, you know, anything he's always needed from me, man, I always got him. So, you know, blessings and prayers go out to his him, his family, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to get with him. Definitely. Um, I almost feel like um, I, I was listening to this other podcast, <clears throat> and they were talking about, they were talking about how, like after traumatic experiences, like people who go off to war together or people who survive some shit, um, that they bond in a certain type of like tribal type of way. Like it's almost like our caveman instincts almost kick in and it's almost like that's more of our nature. And not that it makes us happy. Like survival mode? Yeah, not that we're happy because we're all in in it together. Everybody's pitching in trying to survive. But it's almost like, for instance, that social media and things like that almost are like depressing because it's not really in our nature it takes you away from the real world so basically people get adrenaline like after 9 11 or or like everybody feels needed and everybody's like part of the the group in a way that's like the theory of, of the the book mm-hmm. or whatever and i'm i'm pretty sure well look at the houston pride not only did we win the world series not only is this like a dope city with a lot of culture but they're, they're right now it's at an all-time it's high. on fire all time high. I'm wearing my damn Astros hat. You know what I'm saying? Like I see so many. Bro. Of course, you can tell it's new. <laughs> it got the like, series bitch, stamp. Bitch, you ain't had an old one. Like you just now. <laughs> but um, I almost feel like that is attract. What I'm trying to say is that that is attractive to out of towners. So it's like, man, it seems like a cool city to visit or maybe even move because it looks like they're all kind of together and united and everybody the loves. The camaraderie. Yeah. Like besides the traffic, humidity, mosquitoes, and hurricanes, <laughs> and everything, else. <laughs> everything else we bitch about, it's, it's good. It seems, it's yeah, good. Like, exactly. And we just have to be careful because check this out: how many how many records have been sold on the back of Houston culture? Man, how many people have two cups and grills, and and you know what I'm saying? Too many. I've I seen lo- it off of Houston culture. How many of these? I've condos? seen it everywhere. It's people still 
sipping drink and doing all that stuff in other videos. Even though we and all learned and the hard way. To yeah, yeah, but you know, it's I think culturally we definitely had a big impact on just the world. You know what I mean? And you know, sometimes we get credited, sometimes we don't. But you know, I think Texas and Houston alone knows you know what we did for the game, and we still got a long way to go. Like I even told um, some people before, I think hip hop for a Latino or Americano is still in the baby steps because we still are um seeing the first few nationwide artists mm -hmm. to break out in hip hop. You know, definitely when it comes to like Tijano or, you know, uh Latin Grammys, they definitely, you know, got their artists where they're popping, but in a hip hop world, <coughs> we've yet to really seen it go on. Yeah. So it's still getting I mean, there. I mean SPM had had the torch and you know um bash you know um i mean frankie j's r&b but but yeah i knew coming into the game because i used to live in new jersey so i knew that people didn't know what the fuck a mexican was or like they instantly think tacos they always like our culture is so known for our food that it's it's hard for some people to wrap their brain around it's you know what i'm saying um like a Mexican rapper, some people can't. We're like, yeah. whoa, 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 why are you not? Why didn't you say anything about rice and beans yet in your rap? Like I know Snow the product. I've seen like some. She's interviews. dope. Like there's a bunch of dope artists that I see now coming up and that are you know coming to the forefront. And a couple years back, we didn't have that, or mm -hmm. it was there, but it wasn't getting yeah, any it's light. Changing. It, yeah. It, so the more and more now, I think that is growing, and people are getting to see it. It's you know it's all in due time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like. It's definitely changing. Like for instance, people like yourself or Cap G or just different different folks that have different styles and different flavors. People, you know, like you're reaching a younger audience or just whatever people's angle is. I feel like it all contributes so that we can move forward. Because you're right. It's almost like we're still gradually. Like, like for instance, Richie Valens. You know, which I know you've used like in some of your um like your mixtape titles and stuff. So for instance. It's almost like how far have we come since Richie Valens? Like, yeah, you had Selena. Like these kids, they're, they're millennials. They're they're way younger than me. So to them, race ain't even really as much of a thing. It's yeah, kind of like, yeah, what? Yeah. What the fuck are y'all talking about? Why y'all tripping? But like, imagine our grandparents, because like slavery, I think was like, and I'm not even black, but slavery was like 150 years ago, and if I'm not mistaken, and it. it it's like it's not that long ago, but the remnants of like race and shit is still here today. So especially in older folk too. Exactly. So um, you know, and you see it like with politics and stuff. Like you, you could straight up look at some of these people on TV and be like, "All right, man, I don't want to assume that you're racist, but just fucking say it." Yeah, exactly. Some people, exactly. somebody's like smoking mirrors. You know, it's like just I mean? just say it. Like, it's okay. <laughs> like it's all right. Like I get it. You're old. It's not your fault. But like my my sisters that are older. They're not that much older than me, um, but they're from a different generation. You yeah. know, I'm, I guess I'm Generation X or some shit. I think I don't think they're baby boomer. I don't. I forget what they are. But my sister got to go. She was having to get bused to a different elementary school because they were doing the um, what do they call it? Integration, where things were segregated for a while. Y'all go to school over there. Y'all go to school over there. So they put her in a black school. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what shit year that, was that? Not even that long ago. She's um, one of my sisters. I think she just turned. She's about to turn fifty. The other one's like forty-seven or something like that. They're they're older than me. 
Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. So, so, so a lot of times I get into preach mode with the, with the youngsters. Yeah, yeah. Where like I, what I tell them is like, look, man. Um, and again, it's some of the shit just might go because it's a different generation. But it's like, look, you don't really. I want you to understand how big of an opportunity you have to be alive right now during this era where people aren't outwardly discriminating against you like you have the internet you have youtube you have everything at your fingertips you have like all the knowledge of humankind in your fucking front pocket you could google any motherfucking thing now it's just a matter of what are you going to focus your energy on and what are you going to do because because truth. if you were born in a different era i'm sure you can ask your parents um joe joe and joe like y'all are from a different era and um I'm sure if you ask your parents or grandparents, like they were probably like, "Yeah, dude, you couldn't be Mexican and be out and about walking, minding your business nah, in some parts no of town." Nah, there's no way. I, right? Man, I sh- just a phone alone. When I was in middle school, I, I didn't even have a phone. You know what I'm saying? Either, or my mom and my sister had a phone, but they had, they barely had their phone. So it's no way I was gonna get a phone. So when I was walking home, I had nobody to talk to. Yeah. I was just walking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then these when, kids, oh my God. Then when I got a phone, I barely had like snake on it. So yeah, it was like, it wasn't that. the tightest phone. It was a Nokia. You, you couldn't know? do shit with it. So, and we always talk about like, who was the first one to have a, a GPS, like a TomTom. Do you thing. remember a road map? <laughs> yes. My dad was a courier. Oh, so man. he would have a road map in his car and be like, turn the page, look this, da, 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 da. And the map was like in a book. So it made me think about like when you're on tour in the 70s and the 80s and you just had the road map in your bus driver. If you didn't stay up to mm-hmm. make sure that you hit interstate mm-hmm. or the back road, you're done Directions for. or if somebody now, somebody could give you an address like uh, 1010 Wheeler Street or whatever. And you just punch it in your phone. And, and you know, it would so like, take me like four hours to get here. Dude, um, <laughs> I worked on a, a music video as a production assistant for Devin the Dude. And I got him lost. It was a video called Lackville 79. <clears throat> and it was my job as, a, as a, basically a gopher, like assistant, to go make sure he was up. It was early as fuck. And basically, he's going to follow us in his old car that he had for the video. And I'm going to take him to the set. Well, whoever drew me the map, because that's what we had to do back then. Whoever <laughs> the fuck the drew me the map, drew it wrong to where it's like go left instead of go right the first turn. And long story short, we ended up far, and and his his car started falling apart because it was about a, a it was about a hoopty. So he really had a little extra hoopty for the video, and that's what he wrote the song about. And um, so now we're having to call production. This is rap a lot, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we're having it like there's money on the line. Shit's getting delayed. Now they got a they had a shot. All the shots were based around this car. Yeah, yeah. They had to think quick and go um, get like a flatbed basically almost like tow the car and then rig cameras around that and they're all looking at me like so you're the kid that got lost but it's like man we didn't have gps <laughs> gps was not around back then whoever drew me that map played me yeah that was the time man that was crazy yeah yeah that that was a minute ago that wasn't even a minute ago though. it wasn't even that long ago yeah it had to be like seven to ten years ago bro and now like we just moved and we don't have wi-fi set up or tv or cable set up yet like they're working on it as we speak and um, that's why I had to go let in real quick. And my daughter is like, well, what are we going to do without Wi-Fi? What are we going to do? Like, she's do? going nuts. How are you gonna, well, how are you guys going to even text people? And we're like, we don't need Wi-Fi to text people. Oh. But she just kind of, I was like, do you think we could live in this house without TV, internet, and cable? That's <gasps> and she's just like, oh, my God. But like GT said, like, 
you didn't have that. You had to sit in your thoughts. That's it. And that's and really think of one, shit. That's one of how the reasons why I started rapping is because I heard my partners rapping on the school bus. They would beatbox on the back of the school bus. And then when I got off the school bus and everybody went their separate ways, I'd walk home and I would just start rapping. And I wasn't no good, but I would try to put words together, words together, and slowly but surely, it just started connecting. And then I never even told my homeboys that I was trying to rap. I used to just watch them, and that was it. And after that, the things started picking up. And there was a place called the YA. Did you ever go to the YA? Uh-uh. It was Youth Advocates. It was on the Southeast, right there off of like Lombardi and something. Is that where they used to do the breakdance? Yeah, stuff? where the, like a boy from Have a yeah. Coral that has a break free and all mm-hmm. that stuff now. We used to go over there, and it was just a place for kids to go. It was like an outreach program, if you want to think about it uh, like that. But, you know, to keep them out the streets. Uh-huh. And they had, you know, B-Boy events. You could uh, uh, ride your BMX. Uh, they would cut hair. They had um, a DJ there who would, uh, you know, play nothing but just boom bap, far side, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, souls of mischief, you know, whatever hip-hop stuff that they were listening to. And then he would always open the mic every Thursday. And just, anybody want to come rap? Anybody want to come rap? And I'd never go up. I was scared. I was like, yeah. man, I ain't doing that. Yeah. And then one Thursday, I just decided to go up, and then sh- that's just where it started popping off from. That's dope when people put stuff like that together. Because <clears throat> I sent my kid to Break Free. Mm-hmm. So, like, Moy and then were, like, some of her teachers. And um, it's dope when people set up stuff like that. Because I tell my kid, I was like, you're very lucky to be learning from these guys. Like, yeah. these guys travel the world. They're from Houston. Don't think just because they're from, you know, my neighborhood. What's crazy is I used to go with Moy, Lil John, Marlon, and all these cats. We used to go to other cities because they they used to have uh, b-boy competitions. They used to have Who Got the Juice, b-boy hoedown, uh, just different ones around San Antonio, Dallas. And when you would get there, you would go with your crew. And I really wasn't with their crew. I was just at YA with them practicing because we were all in the same. You was an entourage. Yeah, we were just in the community. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so. I was just looking cool. I yeah, really you know what I'm saying? So I when brought we, sauce when to we, the game. When we would go to these competitions, they would have an MC battle. Uh-huh. So it would be the DJ would battle, you know, they're scratching. They would have a graffiti battle where the, you know, the graffiti artists would battle them. And uh, the B-boys would battle, you know, they would have crew battle solos. And then the MCs would battle. So I was like an honor, honorary member, and I would go battle for Houston. It'd be like, oh, Dallas versus Houston. Uh, so when we would go up there, I would rap, and I, you know, I won a, a couple competitions, and that's what got me really cool with them. You know what I'm saying? Because I represented us for us in Houston. Mm-hmm. So we would always go to San Antonio and Dallas and talk shit and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a big thing back then. And they don't do them too much now, but that, that was really like one of the coolest moments of my life was going to those events. A little foundation. Yeah, and being part of those hip-hop events in the underground and doing shit like that. So um, you lived in Laredo for a while? Yeah, for a little bit. My dad uh, was born in Laredo. And what was crazy is, you know, I just got cool with my pops recently. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand, you know, I guess, you know, him and my mom got divorced when I was like in sixth grade. And I didn't understand anything. You know, when you're growing up, you don't understand that type of shit. And I didn't know, you know, because he was born like in 52. Uh-huh. So he went to the Navy like in the 60s or the 70s. Yeah. And so I could imagine what Laredo, Texas looks like in the 70s, bro. Like, think about it. Yeah. Like dust, nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when he got with my mom during the service, he probably didn't experience life like he really wanted to. He wasn't the man that he thought he was when he had, you know, me as a kid. Mm-hmm. 
So growing up, you know, he just wasn't in a position of his life where he was like, I'm happy. And I didn't understand that at the time. So when he moved to Laredo, I was like, I want to move to Laredo. I want to be closer to that, to that dude. Mm-hmm. And not knowing, he don't know how to be no damn pops. He don't, he don't mm-hmm. know how to raise no kid. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He was trying to get away from me. So I went over there trying to be close to him, and I ended up staying with my grandma. Mm. And I went to school in Laredo, and uh, it was a whole nother world, bro. Like, none of the kids really spoke that much English. You know what I'm saying? The gangs over there were different. Um, It was like the the lunch. You could either, like, if you wanted to eat lunch, you could go inside the cafeteria, or they were, like, selling, like, corn nuts with cheese. You can go outside and just eat, like, Yeah, like, eat a bag of corn nuts with cheese, nacho cheese on it. They're like, oh, hell yeah, menudo Monday. No, that's it. Pizza on Tuesday. But that became, like, my second. Thursday, fuck. Damn, my mom packed lunch. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That became, like, my second home um, from Houston. And every summer I would just go back, go back. But go I, back. I even remember, like in your rap career, that was always one of those cities that like always had your back. Like yeah. they knew. I loved going over there because they always, you know, embraced me and they always, you know, looked out for me and just kept it cool with me because they knew that I would go over there and just kick it and just be one with the people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so that was really cool. And then I, I, that's how I met Two Dope Dave and mm-hmm. saw, you know, his whole. Uh, TDK boutique come up mm-hmm. and you know it was real cool just to stay out there dude one time bro I'm gonna tell you a story um, <laughs> um, I think I I don't even think it was really a meet and greet per se but it was something like some type of little I'm gonna I'm stop by at Dave's store in Laredo so as you just finished describing there's like there's a difference in culture between Houston and Laredo so I'm sure you had culture shock yeah well I went down there and me and me and uh, Frank from Compound Films we were filming um a fucking video for this little song I did. Um, I think it was called like I got like a Rancho McAllen, but we shot it in Laredo. She was retarded. <laughs> she was retarded. Anyway, long story short, I was kind of dressed for that video, so I, we were going for a certain type of little, almost like a valley, like country in the cut. Like you got like he's ducked off. That's what the song was kind of about. Anyway, so I I, I just basically damn near had on like some. I, you can almost describe it as like flea market, almost kind of like um, like a simple little button down with like yeah, a yeah. pattern, like a little whatever. A picnic so, table. Yeah, right? basically, kind of. So anyway, so I, I'm like, fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'm still about to be the sauciest one in the <laughs> building. Like, bitch, sauce comes from within, ho. Right. Like, we coming in this TDK. Man, these little kids were sharp. These little kids were sharp. Man, all these little kids had on like the newest shit. All of them look like Uzi Vert. You know what I mean? Like Laredo Damn. had changed. Like like skinny jeans, like if the shoes was popping, like shit was rare. It was shit was very hype beast, you know, all this type of stuff, bro. So to me, I was just thinking like, oh shit! Not only did I underestimate Laredo as just you know how how they're modern, you know what I'm saying? Even though some some areas be like still okay, this looks like Mexico. Yeah. But but I have to give Dave all the props on that because he's. He's the one bringing all that in. He's importing like style and fashion and culture, and it's like you could go up there and and you could get you an outfit there and be good in L.A., New York, Miami. Yeah, bro, he definitely brought them up to date just with with everything you said, Crazy. lifestyle and culture, and, and gave them a way to us like we don't all have to dress the same. Like I remember when I first moved there, my grandma bought me clothes from McFrugals. 
Mm. I don't even know if y'all know what that is. Uh, I think I heard they might have had that here. shit has been closed down. Uh-huh. It was like and Wieners. Man, bless Wieners is better <laughs> you than Wieners. Them, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I remember, and just coming from that, I know like it's it's came a long way. And they definitely, you know what I'm saying, they're definitely up to date. On Wieners, it. boy, we was in that home. What? That's what? Uh, you know why? Because uh, my parents were foster parents. So, like, I grew up with foster brothers and sisters, and they'd get a voucher. Like, they'd get a little, like, a, basically like a coupon. Like, go, you know what I mean? I think the state gave each kid, like, a little voucher every so often. So, I'm like, fuck it, we're going to Wieners, we're going shopping. Yeah. Me and my foster brothers, you know what I mean? And, and I'd get me a couple things, obviously not with the vouchers. But I uh, had my own little voucher. <laughs> but uh, but but Wieners, man, you could you could find some little off-brand Nikes, you know. That's the first. That's the um. That's the first time I had got some Reebok pumps. Oh, okay. So they would have some some of the. Yeah, new they stuff. had one off of Fondren and. Shout out to Wieners, man. Fifty nine. <laughs> Funny name, serious store. Right, <laughs> man. They had to pay. You know what's crazy? Did you bring up Wieners? Is Palais Royal was around back then, and they're still around now. Bi- man, I had a Palais Royal card, man. Them Who bitches. even goes into Palais Royal? Nobody, but I still that open That mug money. is still <laughs> open. It's still open, and I ain't been in there at least in 10 years. So I think, I think honestly, it's people like my mom, like older ladies that are like, oh, mira, el Palais Royal, compré un, mira este collar en Palais Royal. <laughs> Stuff I, like I that. was like, yo, these guys have lasted, yo. I never even knew how. I was like, yo. Sometimes it blows my mind, like thirty years strong. Like when you be on a freeway, pay attention to how many little businesses are in these shopping centers, and just think how much rent. This is what I be thinking: how much rent do they pay, and how much do they, how much profit? Because sometimes the back. rent, the rent is high at some of these shopping centers right off the freeway, and it'd be like a little bitty cell phone store or like some random. That's what I be thinking about, like the Gallo or places in the mall, or, or like if you get a. If you get a little store, but it's off of Westheimer, you know what I'm saying? And you got to pay this crazy-ass rent, and you know you're trying to build up and get... Well, you know what has to happen, bro? Sorry to cut you off. In my opinion, is to get that type of vibe for retail, it's almost like the city has to kind of like... Let's say by 8th Wonder, like like say if you just... Over there, it's probably high. But like almost like what Nipsey Hussle did you know, on Crenshaw or where um, some parts of L.A., where all the streetwear brands are on Fairfax or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like you have to, like Feel say you got a brand, up. I got a brand, different people have brands, and it's almost like you all kind of go in together because what people do in L.A., they'll go into like the hundreds, walk a little bit, walk into Diamond, walk a little bit, DGK, Tiger might have a store out in that yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they do it. That's dope. I, yeah, shout out, I got a homeboy who has a shop on the southeast. My partner Isaac has a clothing line called Outlaw. And he's um, it's really you know he's from that area, so he wanted to put a, a clothing brand and a clothing store in his area just to, you know, get things pumping for his community as well. Yeah, that's, so I'm from that's the dope, East. man. So you know stuff like that, I salute, and those will probably be things that we want to get into in the future, definitely. Not if you know, cause you know retail and everything that we were talking about CDs and merchandise, and I think that's just the next step for us. The game is changing. Like going back to the store list, how many of those stores are even still open? None really. If it is, it's probably gonna be half a list. And in the ones that are not even, though I'd argue it's like a less percentage. The ones that are left, like Piranha Records, and then I start running. But out who of, even still goes into there? Well, that's why they. I think they sell different shit. Yeah. Like I think Piranha Records, which is in Round Rock, they'll have like vinyl, vinyl. They'll have like rare shit, probably from movies and little 
like little Bible, almost like um, I don't know if you remember Hastings, but but like basically they they did away with a lot of the CD stuff and just started going like, okay, well Trey the Truth has a new T-shirt out. You True. know what I'm saying? Like, okay. okay, we'll put up some trade shirts, and okay, Slim got some shirts, and I think it's things like that, where they, they had the ones that did that survived. Yeah. The ones that didn't. How many sound waves used to be in Houston? Man. Do y'all remember seeing dang. a sound wave CD store? They didn't. E- they didn't even see it. Bro, sound waves. They had one on South Main. They had a bunch of sound. The waves. one on South Main was the main one, and um when we finally got into that store because i grew up going into that store they'd have like the play uh like the do you remember like the cds where you could listen? yeah you could listen to it with your headphones you could go in and I, that's the first time i heard um uh one day you're here baby Man. ugk ugk had just dropped and i'm just in that house fire and i'm just in that bitch like man this dude's deep right now like i'm a little kid this motherfucker but he lost his baby in a house fire? What? Shit. You think I'm not buying this dramatic fucking See? suspense? Hell yeah. The beats, buns on there ripping, pimps on there. And anyway, when we finally got into that store, these motherfuckers had nine stores. So you could do the math. If you had a buzz, like my dad was dropping off like a big box on his shoulder and he and they'd give him a check at the South Main store. So he'd give it to them there and then they'd spread it out. They knew which stores they could. I think they have one left, but they sell surfboards. How and many CDs do you think you dropped off every time, or at the peak would you dropping off? Um, and the, and the how many stores? Well, we had you? a lot of stores. Okay, but like Soundways, my dad like easily he'd drop off a box a box of like two hundred like to start, only because it's nine Shit. stores, it's nine stores, and um, <laughs> bankroll, bankroll. You know, but, but then but then if you spend like an idiot too. You know, it all starts yeah, even yeah, out. Yeah, 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 but still, it all starts even out. So That's now I'm like, man, you should have, you should have, man, did more in the real estate. You should have did more in this. But you know, we, you live thankfully, thankfully, comedy, bro, is like, it's, it's like when I'm, I'm starting. You know, I'm, I'm growing, I'm getting older. My fan base is getting older, so it's just a perfect thing where they can come out, have drinks and food, and and then it translates to some of my other talents where this could help. You know, like, you know, maybe some movies and just different shit, you know? So we're still creating or whatever. But but thankfully, I'm able to, now when I get a check, I'm like, nah, 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 this could pay off yeah. the, that other thing. And then now that's debt free. <laughs> and and now, now that's straight profit. And then this can go into this. But um, RIP Soundways, man. I think they have one left. That Ooh. was a, man, Soundways. They still got FYEs? Fuck no. FYE gone too? They're they're damn near all gone. Shit, I remember they had a turntables, one and two. I think they had one by my house and turntables. Damn. So you're from the Southwest? Yeah, yeah. I'm from uh, Hodgin and West Airport, and really that's all we had was South Main. They had the sound waves, and then across the street behind uh, this rest this little cafeteria called Julie's next to the Kroger was the turntables, but they were selling tapes for like seventeen, eighteen, ninety nine in there. CDs were selling. Dude. I, I was telling my girl stories about my consignment days when um I think it was Sam Goody. Sam Goody had a program Sam Goody where you could drop off. This was crazy because I didn't have a distributor and I ended up getting screwed. But this is what happened. Sam Goody would be like, all right, well, welcome to San Antonio, Sam Goody. Uh, we'll, we'll just take 10 to start or whatever. And then when they sell, we'll call you. So, boom, that started turning into a thing where I'm having to drive to this city or that city and drop off and this and that. And one guy that was in charge of that region, which was like McAllen, Laredo, San Antonio, he was like, dog, 
because what they pay a consignment person is different than what they pay Universal Music for a Nelly or a DMX or something like that. They're having to pay them like 12. They're only giving us like seven or six yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. it was for consignment. And it got to the point to where somebody from corporate called. They're like, hey, you need to find a distributor because this is this is not this program is not designed for you anymore. Like you've outgrown it and you need to get a distributor. And here's a list of some in Houston that we work with. One of them ended up robbing me. Damn. And they, they they right here around the corner. And we won in court. We won in court, but um they, they know how to rob. So they finessed it to where like we're next in line to collect if they ever get anything under that name. Like a lien on it or whatever. So we have we spent a bunch of money on lawyers and then the we just got a piece of paper, the judgment, so state yeah, did of change some shit up. I mean they just still owe us. <laughs> That's it. Damn. They just still owe us. Like a distributor, you know, because they collect the money first, then they pay it to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so they're telling you basically they keeping some, and then they're just cutting you a check and saying, "Well, this is what you got." Yeah, yeah, no, like we were at one point, we were supposed to go pick up a big check, you know, and it started, you know. Anyway, we were expecting this number because we did the math. Based, they were like, "Oh, we want some clean units now for Walmart," and we're like, "Okay, well, can you pay us since they're selling so good? Can you give us some money?" And um, we were expecting a certain amount, me and Dave, our G Films, we mm -hmm. went up there. And then, man, I thought I had that bitch upside down. <laughs> and I was like, hey, bro, I'm like, hey, is that is that a comma or a one after that five? Is that a comma or a one? Oh, that's a comma? Ah, uh, okay. And we both knew what time it was. So Boy, like, all crazy. right. Okay, cool. We, we know how y'all playing now. <clears throat> so it was like, what? What is this? He's like, well, well, you need an advance? I'm like, no, I don't need no advance. We need, the money we sold I all these, it's sound scan. We sold all these units. Yo, it was at the Molly Kingpin album, but anyway. The what album? The Molly Kingpin. It was like the first oh, one yeah, yeah, original yeah, okay. beats. Bro. <sighs> Memory lane. You didn't sell a gang You didn't have my blood show. pressure on this podcast. <laughs> no, my bad, y'all. No, no, I'm just, I, you know. Nah, I don't want to hog Soaking the mic, game, man. man. I'm, I'm thinking about all the units that you probably didn't sell. You got damn, bro. Just... <laughs> How many mixtapes you think you dropped? Ah oh, man, we don't know, man. We lost count. I think we all lost let's count. Let's say, let's say your most, your top five successful mixtapes. You know, that's a hard question, man. Uh, I think uh, there was a double disc one called um, "They All Want It, But Who Can Afford Them." I think that one did okay because it was. That was when you were going through the, the label the, stuff. Yeah. So I think that was around you. the peak of like. There's a buzz, and you're kind of working on your CD, but it just ain't came out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was almost like a little sampler, precursor. That one did all right. That's <clears> dope. But the game is crazy, man. We've been in it. And then you used to roll with a, a Rob G. Yeah, like Rob and them. When I first came up from battle rapping, he was probably like one of the only other Latin MCs that I saw who kind of connected with the style that I had. And, uh, you know, he took me under his wing, showed me, you know, how to kind of put more things together and then you know the whole Latium thing was going on at mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. so you know I, I thought we were going to be like g-unit and 50 cent and all them so was lloyd yeah. banks man i was up there on stage holding signs with his name up on it and you know i was down you know mm -hmm. i really believed in it yeah, you yeah. know it was my first time being a part of something special mm -hmm. so you know i gave it my all and then after a while i just wanted to keep going and keep growing and see what else i could do and, uh, you know, we always kept cool. I just knew that there was more for me out there in the world, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And in order for me to do it, everything that, you know, yourself, Rob, Slim, Paul, or anybody is doing, I have to do myself as well. Mm -hmm. Not maybe the same thing, yeah, yeah. but I have to be 
working as hard as you guys to be able to compete. And if I'm not, somebody's either going to take my spot or it's just never going to happen for me. Like, I have to get out there and do these things, these radio interviews, these um, cameos or videos. You know, these are just things I need to do. I can't allow somebody else to do it and just be like, oh, he's going to do it for me, and I'm just going to ride with him, and it's going to be cool. Because if something doesn't happen or work or pan out and, it, and he falls off, then we both fell off. But if I'm able yeah. to hold my weight and something bad happens to him, then I'm like, nah, bro, I'll pick you up, and you can come with me, and mm -hmm. we can both jump back on together. Mm -hmm. So that was my whole mentality, and it's been like that since then. So, you know, all my homeboys roll with me and move with me. Like, my partner Money, mm -hmm. you know, we just was partners, you know, mm -hmm. and now he's helping with a lot of my management. You mm -hmm. know, Big Hep taught him a lot of the ropes and how to, you know, pick up the deposit, how to talk to the pr promoter, not let them play you and try to jank you. Now you call him to book the shows. You call mm -hmm. him for the feature. Yeah. And it's just. Yeah, that's a, that's a big step because, um. When you have motherfuckers hitting you direct, oh, man. Yeah, bro, and it's hard for, you don't want to tell somebody, oh, man, I can't do this, because people take shit the wrong way. Fuck you. you know, you somebody offer you a drink, and you be like, oh, I'm not drinking. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, too oh good, boy, bro. you too good to drink? I'm like, bro, well, I'm fuck just, it then. I'm about to do a 30-minute show. Yeah. I don't want to throw up, but, you yeah, know, yeah, but yeah. stuff like that. So I've always been one of them people that wanted to put my partners and my people in position to where they can be just like I am, if not better because I don't know everything, you know what I'm saying? None of us went to school for this shit, mm -hmm. so it's like we're all learning together. So if I fail or if I fuck up, you know, at least we can all take the L, but if we get a W, then we all win, you know what I'm saying? So we all gonna dress up in suits and <clears throat> go. Speaking of school, man, like all these years of all, like just the grind, the hustle, the sacrifice, like having faith and just mm -hmm. learning and sticking with it and writing and trial and error, it's like that is our school. You know what Man, I'm the biggest school that you never get uh, <laughs> an A for, <laughs> you never get the final semester term project. There's never just an ending to it. It's an everlasting class. It's never gonna end. I'm trying to be that motherfucker that just pops up on campus and shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hey man, where you be at, man? Where you oh at, man, kid? hey man, I be off campus, man. You know. But I got well, all you, A's. You still have shit. classes? I got one left. Why don't you? Why don't you leave? It's exactly that, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's what's funny about it is it's just that. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, all of that is is just like you say. Like every little thing teaches you something, and makes you not want to do this. So you go this way or you go that way. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. That's dope. And uh, you got any shows coming up here in Houston? Um, we're doing a couple shows. I don't know the dates on them. I know I got a show on the 24th. I have one in Rosenberg coming up. And then we're going back out to L.A. to shoot two videos for that Sometime in L.A. Okay. album. Mm -hmm. And then next year, uh, I'm going to drop Brown by Honor 2, mm -hmm. which will be our fifth year anniversary for that album that we dropped the first mm -hmm, one mm -hmm. so that's going to be real cool for us and for the fans so so with your your situation with empire they're going to help <clears throat> like get well it see with platforms. them is well yeah they do that automatically like with empire i got a label deal to where it's like i could just put any album any artist or anything that's under me okay. out at any time like i don't have to answer to anybody mm -hmm. or just, i could just if i want to put out a cd or a song this friday i could just mm -hmm. upload it put it out and it'll be everywhere mm -hmm. But they also have things where if you're a bigger artist, they might be able to give you an advance or they might be able to do a little bit extra for you. But even at a, at a scale that I'm at, if I give them about like 60 to 90 days, they'll be able to help with a little bit of the promotion and get it on the front of uh, iTunes when mm -hmm. you go to the hip hop uh, section mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. do little stuff like that. 
I'm just impatient to where I'm like, I don't have 90 days to. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I just want to get that shit out. Maybe promote it for a month and then drop it. You know what I'm saying? So they do little things that, you know, here and there. But for the most part, we're independently just moving and self-sufficient. And as long as we can just get it to the to the right outlets and people can jam it, shit, we just going to keep pumping. Yeah, dope, man. That's it. Well, thank you for stopping by, man, brother. Thank you, Chingo. It's well, well overdue because we have been trying to line it up. Yeah, man, it was dope, man. I appreciate this, man, a lot. And I, you know, I learned a lot of game from you and you know other legends here in the state, man. And it's been a blessing, bro. And then we could do it like a typical interview. It's like tell them where they could find you online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. If they're logging on, how make can sure they find and follow you? me. Yeah. Nah, but uh, for sure, man. I, you know, like I said, I appreciate everything, and. Uh, Man, bro, the journey. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is what counts the most, my well, G. Make sure I look them up and check it out because I, I think you're close to a breakthrough, man. And I've seen the progression, and um, yeah, it, it's gonna be exciting to see. Man, appreciate yeah, so that, let's man. Just keep working. Congratulations on all your success. Thank that you, that Netflix two need to come out. We about to get this podcast popping. <laughs> yes, sir. GT Garza. Holla. Peace. Estás escuchando el podcast con más huevos, más huevos que los demás.